Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website. Once again, we welcome you. If you are a return listener, we thank you for tuning in uh, to this broadcast today. And if you are a first-time listener, we are so glad to have you. We hope that you not only enjoy this broadcast today, this this podcast, this webcast, however you're receiving it, we pray that it will be a special blessing to you today. Amen. I I don't know a more relevant message to teach on today uh, than the 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 coming of Jesus Christ. Is Jesus really coming soon? Under the heading, <laughs> the prophetic clock is ticking, and time is running out. I want to say that title to you again. I hope you're intrigued by it. More importantly, I hope we're going to be stirred as we go to the Word of God today. We're not date setters and time setters. I want to make that clear. Those people have come and gone, and I'm sure others will come back again with some kind of formula for when Christ is going to return. But the Bible is very, very clear. No man knoweth the day or the hour. We can't be specific and we shouldn't try to be. So that's not what we are. That's not what the Bible is talking about. <laughs> in fact, the Bible tells us to live in a state of readiness. Be ye also ready, for in an hour you think not, the Son of Man cometh. My pastor years ago, speaking on the soon coming of the Lord, when we would sing uh, songs like I'm getting ready, those old camp meeting songs, I'm getting ready to leave this world. World. I'm getting ready for the gates of pearl, keeping my records bright, watching both day and night. I'm getting ready to leave this world. He said we can't sing it like that once we understand the, the words of our Lord that says, Be ye ready. In the story of the ten virgins, there was no opportunity to get ready when the, when the shout came, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. There was no time to go and buy oil. You had to already have it. You had to be living in a state of readiness. Now, we, uh, this broadcast is coming from Tampa, Florida, where it originates, where I have been senior pastor of the Holy Church of God for 46 years and counting. Yes, that goes a long way back. And I want to say this to you today. Amen. We are told this time of year in particular to start getting ready for the possibility and the probability of getting a hurricane in our area. And and most of us have lived through several of them. And we know what it means and what to, to, what to have on hand to be ready if that should occur, because things sell out real quick when people realize that something's bearing down on us and, and uh, something is bearing down on us today, the prophetic clock is ticking and time 
is running out. So let's get into this message today. And before we get into the scripture, there's a a beautiful little illustration of this. A little girl, it is said, was walking home from school back when little girls could walk home alone. And, And a huge clock in the town square began striking out the hour. But instead of stopping at three or four, it it continued on and on, 12, 13, 14, 15. It was still striking when she got home. She ran home and excitedly exclaimed to her mother, it's later than it's ever been before. And friend of mine, I want to declare unto you, while we can't know the day or the hour, no, not even the angels of heaven, but the Father only, we can know that it is later than it's ever been before. And it's been said, if you want to know what time it is on God's calendar, keep an eye on Israel, for it is God's timepiece. Dr. Gary Hedrick writes in a book titled, Israel, God's Timepiece, and I quote, God has given the world a unique clock, which tells us what time it is on God's prophetic calendar. While warning against date setting and sensationalism, he explains that anyone who learns to read this clock accurately can have a general sense of when end-time prophecies will be fulfilled. Have you ever wondered about that? Why the tiny nation, you know, Israel's about the size of New Jersey, and yet it is in the news almost every single day. Why, when Israel does anything, it almost certainly makes headlines. Why, the entire focus of peace in the Middle East centers around Israel. It is because a prophetic clock is ticking, and the nation of Israel is indeed God's timepiece. And one one great event that has happened in my lifetime, and some of yours if you are 70 or older, is the regathering of Israel into their land. Ezekiel 37 I'm going to read several verses of Scripture from this chapter. Listen to it carefully. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which is full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very Dry. Now, I want to stop here a minute because some people have stopped right here and then continued the message uh, talking about the deadness and the dryness and the dry bones in, in the church world in general and the need for a light-giving, life-giving revival. This is not about revival in the church. This is about the regathering of Israel into their land as a sign of the fulfillment of last day prophecy. So listen to it very carefully. And he said unto me, Son of man, verse 3, Can these bones live? 
And I answered, O Lord, thou knowest, what a good answer. If God asks you if the impossible is possible, you just let him know that if he wills it, if he wants it, there is nothing impossible with God or for God. Amen. O Lord, thou knowest, was a really good faith filled answer. Again he said unto me, then prophesy. See, if you acknowledge uh, by faith something, God is going to ask you to do something by faith, not just believe without doing an act of faith to validate your belief. He said, then prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, verse 5 of Ezekiel 37, Thus saith the Lord unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, and as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones, here's the reason for this, this is what this is all about. Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, our hope is lost, we're cut off from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves, cause you to come up out of your graves, bring you into the land of Israel. You shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land, and you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, <laughs> saith the Lord. You see, a people sifted into the nations of the world, regathered after 1900 years to reclaim the promised land. I was born January 20th, 1947. Israel became a Jewish state on May the 14th, 1948. Amen. <laughs> this is an incredible time to be living when prophecies as old and ancient but as relevant as this to the coming of Christ are being fulfilled in our lifetime, in our generation, if you're in my generation. Israel had to be in the land, existing as a state for end-time prophecy to be fulfilled. 
And in 1947, Israel became a state. And from that point to today, God has been regathering. You see, Hitler tried to annihilate uh, a whole nation of people, an entire, uh, well, just every Jew in the world that he could kill, he wanted to kill. And God finally stepped in and, and used the allies, including the United States, to stop his diabolical scheme and plan to save a remnant and bring them back uh, literally as if from the dead typically because it looked like they were scattered and they were killed out and they were hopeless to ever claim the promised land is theirs and inhabited again but it happened dear friends i'm excited about this because it happened in my generation and it is happening in your generation today I really like what one prophecy teacher says. He said Jesus emphasized this point in his teachings about the end times. In Matthew 24, he said for us to watch the fig tree. The fig tree is a common biblical symbol for Israel. And Jesus said when the fig tree reblossoms, the generation that sees that happen, will be the generation that will see end-time events come to pass. Hallelujah. You see, the state of Israel came back into existence. It re-blossomed on May 14th, 1948. And I believe with all of my heart that someone who was alive in 1948 could well be someone that could see the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It may be somebody who was two years old in 48. They may be 80 when the Lord returns. I don't know, but I believe someone, and it could be me, who was alive then will live to see the return of the Lord. In fact, I believe that Jesus could come back tomorrow. <laughs> I believe Jesus could return before this broadcast is over. And the fact that people are really uh, making light of the message of his soon coming uh, are, is a fulfillment of prophecies that would, uh, would, would, would be in place when he returns. <laughs> it says scoffers will come in the new covenant. In the last days saying where is the sign of his coming. And everyone that pr predicted a, a, per a particular date. And the date came and went. Uh, has helped feed into that attitude. And listen to the scripture. <laughs> Many scoffers will come in the last days saying, 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 scoffing at the message. Can you imagine? I, I want to stop here. But I'm getting ahead of myself. But, you know, the scoffing is not just coming from a gainsaying world that has no concept or perception of prophecies and biblical truth. Uh, that don't even accept the Bible uh, as a book that can be a book of final authority and inerrant truth. But friend of mine, there are scoffers within the body of Christ that are scoffing at the message of the soon coming 
of Jesus Christ. And they're not just saying it. It's what they're not saying when they preach and they teach. This message should be paramount. It should be top shelf. We should be taking every message should have something in it. You know, Holy Communion has has the message of the coming of Christ in it so that we're always looking up, always aware, uh, uh, always ready for His return, always longing and looking for His return. (laughs) When He picked up the cup and He says, This is the new covenant in My blood which is shed for the sins of many. As often as you drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till He come. Amen. We actually end communion, drinking the cup, the final part of communion. Amen. Hallelujah. Looking for the soon coming of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Amen. Matthew twenty four thirty two through 34. Jesus says it here. I'm going to quote it to you. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When the branch is yet tender, putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when you see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. This is not specific time setting, but we're talking about a season, a season, so that we know that it's very very near. Verse 34, Verily, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Amen. All friend of mine, scoffers will come in the last day, walking after their own lust and saying, where's the sign of his coming? Ever since our fathers slept down through the generations, you see. Amen. We've heard that message in essence and and nothing has occurred. But it said of this, they are willingly ignorant that a day is a thousand years with the Lord and a thousand years with one day. Praise God. Amen. But God is not slack concerning his promises some men count slackness praise God amen in other words God is going to fulfill this prophetic word to us that Jesus is coming soon amen you know when he ascended it said why stand you men of Galilee why stand you looking up into the clouds up into the heavens this same Jesus that you see go away that is caught up into the clouds <laughs> is going to come again <laughs> the same way that he went up God's going to send him back for us oh friend it is time uh, as we've been teaching on spiritual awakening it is time to wake up it's time to wise up it's time to get up it's time to stand up and thank God it's time to look up because Jesus is coming soon one preacher some years ago wrote a book setting a date for the Lord's return his premise was since a a biblical generation is 40 years uh, he could he could do the math And the title of the book, and I remember when it came out, the title of the book was 88 Reasons While the Lord Will Return in 1988. Uh, After I put that on a radio broadcast some years ago, someone uh, sent me a letter or an email that said they actually had that book to, to this day. 
And I tend to agree with the prophecy teacher. People who saw the fig tree blossom and live out their days could well see the return of our Lord. A nation was reborn in a day, and the desert has blossomed like a rose. Hallelujah, the fig tree has blossomed. A prophecy, ancient prophecy, has been fulfilled. God has regathered. Though, though, though they were scattered to the nations of the world, he brought them back into their land and said they're not going to be plucked up anymore. Now, now Israel is, is surrounded by enemies to this day, and much more prophecy is going to be fulfilled in Israel. But, friend of mine, all of that points to the fact that Jesus is coming very, very soon. Mark Twain visited Israel in the mid-1860s and wrote in his book, Innocence Abroad, about a barren, what a barren wasteland it was. The trees had been cut down. The land had been just ravished for 2,000 years by foreign conquerors who had no respect for it, no concern for it, no love for it. But when the Jews began to go back in the early 1900s, the Arabs laughed at them for buying the land. Who but a crazy Jew? And I'm quoting here. <laughs> hey, if you've got Jewish listeners, these are, this is someone else's saying. Who but a crazy Jew would want malaria-infested swampland? Today, the Arabs want the land back because God has touched it. God has blessed it to fulfill the prophecy that the desert will indeed bloom like the rose. In Amos nine thirteen through 15, listen carefully to this. It said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that soweth seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. And I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. And they shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their land. And they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. Hallelujah. You see, God has made it a beautiful land once again. Just as he promised, today Israel is the breadbasket of the Middle East. The Israelis have planted over 400 million trees all over the land. And rainfall has increased over 450%. It is a land of milk and honey. Once again, God has kept his promise. And it's a sign that Jesus is coming soon. I've preached for years that the reestablishment of Israel as a nation has a domino effect prophetically. Have you ever seen someone set up dominoes uh, on their end vertically and create an, an intricate design? And then by the tipping of the first one, causing them all to fall, running quickly to the end. Matthew 24. And 34, this generation that sees this occur shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. To me, 
That's the domino effect of Israel becoming a nation against all odds, expectations, and predictions in 1948. Hallelujah. In my generation and in your generation today. As Christians, therefore, we should be living in a state of holy anticipation and expectancy. Israel, as Tim LaHaye likes to say, is God's timepiece. Its foundation is the super sign. (laughs) Significantly, LaHaye writes, the return of the Jews happened in our generation. And that's back when he was 75 years old when he wrote that. And he said something more weighty evidence that we are indeed living in the end times. Something of enormous proportions is surely about to happen. Philippians 3 verse 20 and 21 talks about our attitude and how it should be right now. It says in Philippians 3 20 and 21, For our conversation is in heaven. From whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it might be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. I want to stop right here and just give a little little sidebar, I guess you would call it. Amen. Listen, listen, if you've known someone who was cremated or you known someone whose body was destroyed in a fire, you known someone who was lost at sea, I want you to know, amen, that God is able. It doesn't matter. He has our DNA. He has our peculiar, particular pattern. <laughs> Every the sea is going to give up its dead for the sake of judgment. The land's going to give up its dead. The dead from every generation is going to rise. The just unto eternal salvation and joy. The unjust unto eternal damnation and torment. But there's going to be a resurrection. These bodies are going to be raised no matter what condition there. You said, how can God do that? Well, because he's able to subdue all things unto himself. Hallelujah. Someone said nothing is ever really gone. It may be changed from a, from a solid to a gas and the gas into something else, but it's never, ever, ever truly, really, absolutely gone. Well, we're never gone either. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Whether it takes 30 minutes in a, in a cremation oven or whether it takes 300 years in the ground, I want you to know, amen, when the trumpet sounds, the, these bodies, my body, your body is going to be raised incorruptible. Hallelujah. And our vile bodies that can decay are going to be fashioned just like his glorious body. Praise God. Amen. I'm not advocating one way or the other on creep. I'm telling you, how's God going to do it? Because he's God. That's how he's going to do it. And he is able, therefore, to subdue all things unto himself. Nothing, dear friend, nothing is impossible with God. And that's why keeping the promise to regather Israel against 
every circumstance that was levied against it, just like raising the dead. Look like a whole nation would be destroyed and never have a national homeland again. But yet here they are today, thriving in a land of milk and honey and a land that has been regenerated because of God's awesome power and purpose. Hallelujah. Are you looking? Are you looking? Listen, verse 21 paraphrase. I like this. It says, but we are citizens. That's what conversation means here. Citizenship. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. He will take these weak mortal bodies of ours, change them into his glorious, into glorious bodies like his own, using the same mighty power that he will use to conquer everything everywhere. (laughs) You know, the Bible says the new covenant, the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you then he will quicken your mortal body. I didn't snap my fingers to emphasize quick, fast, twinkling of an eye, though that's how quickly it will occur. But the word here means he will quicken. It means to give life. Hallelujah. Praise God. The kind of resurrected life, eternal life, everlasting life that Jesus was raised up to. Hallelujah. A glorified body that will never age, that will never get sick, that will never die. Praise God. And friend of mine, once again, are you and I, are we looking eagerly for the soon coming of Jesus Christ? Are we eager If we are His and you truly love Him, you can't wait. Maranatha should be our watchword even so. Come, Lord Jesus. Today, Hebrews 9.28, as we we kind of stop here and put the pause on this teaching. It said, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for Him, (laughs) He shall appear. The second time without sin unto salvation. That Greek word look is assiduously and patiently wait for. Assiduous means marked by careful, unremitting attention or persistent application. Those who those are the wise virgins of Christ's parable. In Matthew's gospel. Hallelujah. Matthew 25. And beginning with verse 1. Praise the Lord. We're going to talk about that. About living in a state of readiness. Because we are living in the season. (laughs) Not Not the exact time. But the season. No one knows the day or the hour. But Jesus is telling us. We can know the season. And praise God because we're in that season where he could return at any moment. We should be living in a state of high alert and readiness, holiness, and anticipation. (laughs) Even so come. Lord Jesus, well, our time is almost gone. But I want to talk to you for a moment today from my heart. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, 
there is no oil in your lamp today. And you'll understand that better if you come back next week and hear the next edition of this teaching on the wise and foolish virgins. Listen to me. Oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. The Bible is clear in the book of Romans. Any man that has not the Spirit of Christ is none of his. It takes more than our our name upon the roll of some denominational uh, or organizational book. Our name has to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we must be sealed, marked, literally branded by the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a power gift for service. I'm talking about the incoming of the Holy Spirit when we accept Christ as our Savior. There are two different applications of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have the Holy Spirit when we get saved. For if any man have not the Holy Spirit, he's none of his. But when we're fully surrendered to God's will and purpose, lay our life on the altar before him and seek that power from above for his purposes to be realized in our life. I'm going to put it in a simple way as we close. When you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit. When, when, when you have the Holy Spirit, but when you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit has you. Praise God. We'll explain that later so there's no misunderstanding of what I'm saying. You can't be a Christian and the Holy Spirit not come to indwell you. It just doesn't work that way. That's the sealing of God, the significant sealing that we belong to Him. It's His mark, His brand on us. That's why the mark of the beast is going to come into play because he wants to be God. Satan wants to be God. He will work through the false prophet. He will work through the Antichrist. But that is his grand design once again. Even though he's been cast out for that, he is still wanting to sit in God's seat. And he's got a mark of his own, and it's called the mark of the beast in the book of Revelation. God's mark, God's brand, is the Holy Spirit in the life of His people. Glory to God. Well, I'm excited about the coming of the Lord. Here's the question. If Jesus came today, or if you died today, tonight, tomorrow, are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Would you be saved? Would you be lost? Would you be glad to see Jesus coming to take you to the Father's house? Or would you be sad to see Jesus because you know the Christ you've rejected as your Savior is now going to be your judge? Have you accepted Jesus? If you haven't, would you quit running from Him today? Would you run to Him? The coming of the Lord is so, so near But even if he didn't come for a thousand years, which is absolutely absurd to think about in light of the prophecies being fulfilled right here, right now in our generation, you could draw your last breath before the sun comes up tomorrow. 
and you will go somewhere forever and ever. And God wants you in the heaven that He's made for you. So please, I, I urge you today with every bit of the compassion and compassion that it brings to every message that I preach, please don't run from Him anymore. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Be saved. Be sealed by the Holy Spirit. And be sure that when Jesus comes, you'll be ready to meet Him. Go home with Him. Live in the place that He's prepared for us forever and ever. Age without end. And come back next week, would you please? And let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.